the cup and the leaf all to be one. Everyone knows there's a job to be done and with a team so fine. I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout. Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Welcome to a journey down memory lane that's sure to ignite your passion for the club we all adore. This is Walking Down the Hall Beath Road the podcast that reunites us with the legends who once graced the pitch at East End Park. I'm your host Mikey Mokkiewicz and I invite you to lace up your virtual boots as we step onto the hallowed turf of Dunfermline Athletics history. This podcast is your ultimate destination for all things Dunfermline Athletic former players and we'll be sitting down with the heroes that made our dreams come true, scored unforgettable goals and carved their names into the hearts of par supporters. Each episode will deep dive into the stories that shaped their careers, from their early days to the highs and lows of football. From promotion battles to cup triumphs, these players have witnessed it all, and now they're ready to share these memories, the dressing room tales and insights with you. In this latest episode, we speak to Bonner Mercer, who had two spells with the club. The first as one of a group of talented youngsters who tried in vain to prevent the club from being relegated in the early 1970s and then returning to the club as part of Harry Melrose's promotion-winning side of the late 1970s. Bonner's a local lad who joined his boyhood heroes from Dunfermline United and played in the first team until going to university in 1973. He would then play at Stirling Albion and Montrose before turning his head to rugby and playing for Kilmarnock before returning to Dunfermline Athletic in 1977. He was a robust and wholehearted fullback with a turn of pace and powerful shot. He made 212 appearances for the club. So sit back, relax as we walk down the Holbeath Road with Bonner Mercer. So Bonner, thanks for joining us on the latest episode. Uh, how's life? Uh, life is good. It's sunny today, so uh, playing golf this afternoon, so life is wonderful. Brilliant, mate. Superb. So we'll start right at the very beginning. You were born in January 53. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up in North Fairman and a little bit about your early days. Well, I uh, my parents called me uh, Bonner, and when when I used to, when I was growing up and speaking to people from the West, they used to call me Bonner, and I was born in Dick Street. So, I mean, <laughs> what kind of start did my parents give me? Um, but, yeah, we, we uh, lived in a, a prefab uh, before we were sort of rehoused. That, that was the uh, post-war uh, sort of accommodation that the government gave out to people. Uh, so, yeah, grew up there, went to commercial school. Used to run down to the school in the morning, non-stop run back up for lunch, run back down after lunch and run back up at night. So uh, 
I, I, I don't know what it was, but I just had the, the feeling that you're not allowed to stop on the way down to commercial <laughs> school. Was that the original commercial school, the one that's... The, the original one, the, yeah, off Eastport. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's now a car park, I think. Yeah, you're right, Tower House, I think. Uh, what was your early memories of, of football and playing football as a kid? Were you always really passionate about football? No, well, the, that that is the thing. I, I didn't... Of course, I played football uh, with, with friends. I mean, we went down to the public park and... Basically, when we when we played in summer evenings in the the public park, my mother used to say that I had to be home by the time the the eight o'clock chimes from the from the town clock went. But that didn't happen very often. Uh, but basically, I was putting your putting your jersey down and uh, playing at, at, in in the public park, and that was it. Shooty any. Yep. And what uh, was your early memories of, of the pars growing up? Well. The, my early memories, I mean, my family were uh, Dunfermline supporters. I mean, wh- wh- where I was brought up, it looks out over, over, the, uh, over East End, so you, all the games, you could hear all the, the, the shouting, etc. But my father was a supporter. Uh, and uh, I had an aunt who went to home and away games. She used to get on the bus um, well, it's where Tesco is now, the, the street where, where Tesco is uh, in Dunfermline. But it, it's basically the wrong supporters. Uh, and you grow up and you support the team uh, that, that you're closest to. And do you remember any games as a youngster going along to East End Park? Yes. No, as a, a young young. what I remember most was... Uh, they they used to take at half time. They used to take a blanket round, uh, walk round uh, the in front of the crowd, and everyone used to to throw coins into it. Uh, that that's one of my great mem- memories of uh, of East End. But no, I I think the first real memory was the the game that we won uh, against Europa Cup or whatever it was called uh, then, Fair City Cup. Was that his first cup? Yeah, Yeah, against Valencia, and we were 4-0 down. And for some reason, it it was a night game and we had school the next day, but my my father took me along, uh, and I I can remember uh, watching that. That was an incredible game. Incredible, and it was was bad weather as well. Yeah. And what about players? Who, who, Who were your heroes growing up? I think... The ones that were most mentioned, the, the one that was most mentioned was uh, Charlie Dixon. But, you know, Harry Melrose, Willie Peebles, uh, I, no, sorry, Jordy Peebles, the, Murph, uh, Alec Edwards. I, I mean, all, the, the, basically the, the, the remnants of the team uh, that, that played in, in the 61 uh, Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean... I, I can't remember uh, all of the names of them, but uh, yeah, they were di- they were discussed a lot, and whether they had a good game or a bad game. But I suppose that was my father's opinion, though. Proper legends way back then, like you could na- rattle oh, off that team throughout the sixties. Yeah. Like, yeah, it didn't change too much, did it? And it, now, I, as you know, Mikey, we we have watched since the former players were were uh, set up. We've watched them all uh, pass away, and it is quite quite sad. But mm. the, their ages were were such that uh, it was inevitable, I suppose. 
Yeah, I suppose we're lucky enough to say we've had the privilege of being in our company the way, so... Oh, absolutely. We can talk we, all day about that. Without a doubt. I mean, now, for us, Dan McElhinton, uh you know, Bertie P is... He's... Uh, oh, no, he, he was there when I first started Dunfermline, but he wasn't really in the early 60s uh, team. But uh, being around all of these people is... With Jim Herriot, he comes through, the funniest man out... Uh, he, he does have his own sense of humour, but he, <laughs> he, is, he is funny. Um, but yeah, it, it's great uh, being with them and seeing, I, I mean, Harry Melrose, uh, he, he's, um, he, he's not the top scorer, but he's in the top he's three. He's up there, yeah. Yeah, he's in the top three and he's, He's just a he's a nice. Uh, I like Harry. Uh, he's a, yeah, a nice person. We'll get on to Harry later. Oh yeah, sorry, I skipped a bit there at one point. But um, so gr- growing up, you're playing football. What was kind of your your pathway in in playing youth football in Dunfermline? Right. Well, that's a very good thing. I used to. One of my closest friends at school uh, was basically we, we started playing uh, for a chappie who organised a, a team that played in Pittencreef Park, but it's the one right right down at the corner. Uh, people from Dunfermline will know what I'm talking about. Uh, Jimmy Waters, um, the son of our uh, 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 senior Jimmy uh, Waters, and we went to play. We went. To play for them a, a guy uh, Jake Finlayson as well and we just went he used to take the, he used to take us over to Edinburgh and we we played Edinburgh teams uh, and that that really was my first experience of being a team together because you travelled uh, you know we went the train uh, over to Edinburgh uh, and you played and sometimes we would go out to the cinema in Edinburgh before we came home. Uh, so that really uh, was the first experience of uh, like a team spirit. Mm-hmm. And it was good to get on with other guys. But at, at that age, I think at that time, I was sort of 12, 12 13. But I had earlier been involved with something else that took over my life as well. And uh, I'm I'm not embarrassed saying it now, but it was uh, <laughs> ballroom dancing. Right. Uh, which I got into at a very early age and everyone uh, takes the mick out of me now because of that. But uh, if only come dancing or, uh, <laughs> or whatever, it's strictly, strictly come dancing. Yeah. If only that had been about at the time. But th- that, that was something that, that uh, took up a lot of time but I still played uh, football. Play, playing football uh, when, when I was at school, I mean, our school didn't uh, only played rugby. And uh, I used to play rugby in the morning uh, for, for the school and then play, play football in the, in the afternoon. And I had a full lunch in between. <laughs> you were a busy boy. I, well, it was, but yeah, it, it, you just... That's something you do when yeah. you're young. Because I, I did want to play football, and we couldn't do that at uh, Dunfermline High School, so I, I, it was the only way of, yeah. of doing that. But and also, that, that was my route out of uh, a ballroom dancing, if you like. I, I mean, I was reasonably successful in that, but uh, 
not stuff that would get us on television. But uh, there just came a point where I said, no, mother, I'm playing football now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we just went over to that. Kenny Thompson was at school with me and uh, we started going up and, and doing a sort of athletics training uh, with, with his father and uh, up, uh, up at Town Hill. Um, so I, I don't know, you, you just glide into various uh, mm. avenues and that took up a lot of uh, time. Is that when you then started playing football for Town Hill Boys Club and Dunfermline United? That's, that is how we became involved with, with a town hall uh, boys club because uh, Kenny's father uh, oh, he, he got the council to make up a running track and everything for him uh, but yeah that that was that was how we, we became uh, that's how we became involved uh, with, with town hall boys club yeah. T- tell us a little bit about town hall boys club and Dunfermline United because back then it had quite a, a, a link with Dunfermline Athletic and a history of bringing through players didn't it, it did Leash because of his birthday it's not the fact that he's younger than me <laughs> uh, uh, no but he he qualified to, to play it in the year below uh, and I mean we we didn't really know each other uh, all that well then but uh, Leash came in and he, he was playing in the, the, the year uh, below us at Townhall I don't have huge recollections of it and I can't remember the transition when we moved uh, from Townhall Boys Club to to go and well be signed up with uh, Dunfermline and, and, and play with Dunfermline who had to be called Dunfermline United because you weren't at that time you weren't allowed to say that you were attached to uh, a senior football club mm-hmm. but I, I can't remember. Some of the guys that, that played for us, I, a few of them came and played for Dunfermline United. <clears throat> but most of the Dunfermline United ones were uh, people who had been scouted uh, in the area. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't just Dunfermline pe- people that were, uh, that were playing there. There were, there were basically people from all over Fife. Uh, Gordon Pate, Pat Patterson... Uh, you know, and and it, it was a good team. We we uh, we played well. Uh, we won. The, the final was played at East End Park. But we we won uh, the the whatever the Scottish Cup was of that youth amateur competition was three down at half time. By the way, wow, one four what three. A, what a comeback! <laughs> a heck of a comeback! <laughs> Can't remember any of it. <laughs> Am I right in saying then, round about that time, is that when you started playing schoolboys football for Scotland, or did that come a little bit later on? Well, what what happened was in playing for Dunfermline United, I, I, I was chosen from that to to go to um, play for the Scottish amateur youth team. Uh, and that was it. And uh, Kenny Thompson and I went through all the the, the trials, etc. I mean, the Scottish schoolboys, they love a trial. Mm-hmm. And there was a trial for sort of <laughs> Eastern further, a trial for Western further. And, you know, and then it, it went out to, to all over Scotland. But Kenny, for some reason, and he was just so much better than the, the, the centre half uh, his name I've forgotten, but I, I played with him again at uh, Darcy. Right, uh, w- was his name, but he was just huge, and uh, the 
I, I, I think that that's what the 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 schoolboy team were looking for then. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think I would have played uh, for the schoolboys. But because I had played uh, for the, uh, the the youth team, the schoolboy said, "All oh, right, he must be okay." Uh, yeah, and I played for them, and we played against England down south. We played uh, the youth team played Derby County, and about six weeks later, the schoolboys played at Leicester City's ground against England, and. We beat them twice, which was Superb. magnificent. Yeah, now, away who, from home. Who else was involved in that Scotland team in that, or who did you even play against that went on to have good careers? Yeah, yeah. I I can't really remember. I can remember uh, tackling one guy who had kicked me earlier in the game at, at Derby County, and I put <laughs> I put him right over the fence. And he, beat me. <laughs> <laughs> he he was in uh, he was in with the crowd, but I can't remember uh, Jim Pearson. I think uh, no. Jim Pearson was in the schoolboys. He went on play down at Everton, uh, etc. The the guy Darcy, he went on to play for a few teams uh, in in Scotland. Uh, there's a guy called Jim McSorley, who uh, a lot of them went and played for a lot of Glasgow teams because they were all most most of the teams, yeah, either Scottish schoolboys or the the youth one, mostly were from uh, based in Glasgow. But I, I don't think there's a, Eric Carruthers, uh, Carruthers played for the youth team, uh, and he was tipped to go on and do great things for Hearts, but uh, he, he didn't really, mm-hmm. he, he didn't really do that. But the, these are the main. Jim Jim Pearson is probably about the most yeah. uh, successful ones uh, from 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 these teams anyway. Brilliant! And what an experience a young boy going away down to England and travelling about to play football it must have been quite surreal. It is, but Mikey, you do these things and it's like being in a bubble. They all happen. You know, you get all the paper right, you get the letters and you get excited beyond belief. But it, it was just something, right, tomorrow, would, you, you know, we go down to England and you go and you get on, you get on with it. Yeah, you don't think about it, it's just, it's just part of your life no, at that you, point. You, and... you don't think about it. I, I mean, I can remember... Uh, when you go to your bed the night before, it's the same with uh, the the bigger games. If you're playing, sell- well, no, it wasn't. It was any team really. You go to bed and you think, how the hell am I going to get to sleep? But you do, mm-hmm. and then you get up the next day, and then it's time to go to the game, and that's the, the, your mind is is based on that, yeah, or focused on it anyway. And then a wee bit past that, April '68, you were showing me the letter from George Farm earlier, mm-hmm. so. He then wants to sign you on a yeah. YTS for Dunfermline. So how does all that kind of come about? Can you remember? Was there other teams looking yes. at you as well? There, there was a, there was a guy. What was his name? The scout for Dunfermline was Eddie Hall, and he he got all the people from from the town town hall boys club. Uh, I think Leash did sign April. 60 as yeah. well. Well, right? I, I think we all did because that was a fashion then. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing about that was I went and played for the, the, the two games, uh, you know, down south. There were loads of uh, uh, coaches watching that. But uh, it said in both of the programmes, Borough Mercer signed on an S for, uh, you know, for Dunfermline Athletic, which means that you're absolutely tied uh, to Dunfermline Athletic. But uh, no, I, I think, uh, I, I think, Okay, uh, Leash 
Pud Patterson, Gordon Pate, I, I, I think they had all uh, uh, signed S forms. Was Pink Campbell part of that team as well? Or was he a bit younger? He, he, he's at that time two years younger, or he's he's probably more. He is he's probably more than two years younger than than uh, Leash and I. Mm-hmm. I no, we did we didn't really come. I I didn't play with them, uh, yeah. etc. And when that letter comes to your mum and dad what, what's your dad's thoughts at that time obviously being a big Dunfermline supporter and the family are all Pars fans so yeah and I, my dad's uh, signature is, is is on that well he, he was uh, the, the unfortunate thing about my dad he, he, he died uh, uh, well quite soon after that right uh, which is unfortunate. He never saw me playing. Oh wow! Didn't know that. Really. I know. No, no, that, that, but he saw you signing, though. He he saw me signing the S form. Yeah. He, he he had gone by the time I I, I signed up, and uh, I think it was nineteen seventy. Right. The date is on it. Um. Uh, yeah. So it was that is a a, a great n- not a misfortune. Uh, it, it's it was just something that. Uh, he would have been so proud. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And then obviously you sign in April 68. What a time like, to be at the club. They've just won the Scottish Cup for the it, second time. It was phenomenal. I, I mean, we, it, Roy Barry had just been sold by the time I, I was really heavily involved because the the team used to invite S-form boys um, in our school holidays. We would go and train with, uh, with the, the full squad. Um, at Dunfermline, uh, you know, during the holidays, and it, it was a listen that it was a youth setup that worked perfectly. Everyone was happy, the parents were happy, etc. And it was a good way of grounding people in to get show who who you're playing with. You know, you saw the people that you, you just watched from the uh, from the touchline, and I think it was a great way of doing it. But we lost that somewhere in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It just disappeared. I think it was no doubt finance so throughout the late 70s. I think the club cut so much off really well, to save money. It, and yeah, and I don't know what uh, the particular financial situation was. At that. I, it was quite dire. Yeah. But, um, you know, how much does it cost to keep a set of strips and hand them on to the youth team sort of thing? Yeah. Not, not a huge amount. And, and tell us what your first contract was you showed me it earlier? Yeah. How much money were you earning at Dunfermline? Well, I don't like to give that away, Mikey. Uh, but it uh, was the the very first at, at my age, seventeen quid a week. Yeah. It didn't say how much we got for appearance money or for bonus, but we didn't win all that many bonuses. Um, but seventeen quid. But in the first team, uh, it went up to in the second year. 27 quid a week yeah. and I thought it was well I did I had I was staying at home and I made a, yeah, a lot of money it wouldn't be about money anyway was it at that age you're, oh you're I was what, playing for Dunfermline yeah, exactly. you must be joking yeah. I, I made a decision uh, not to do sixth year at uh, at school uh, so I, I I just did fifth year but I'd, I'd got hires etc so I thought ah, stuff it I'll just go and uh, play because most people waste their sixth year anyway yeah. uh, so th- th- that came back to bite me a little bit in later life but um, yeah yeah going, going playing for Dunfermline was 
fantastic. And, and what it, was it, it, that was a dream. Of course. What was it like in the early days around East End Park when you were first going in? What kind of duties and jobs were you given? Were you cleaning boots and sweeping well, the terrace in? And the, Kenny Thompson and I were, were there at the same time. So <laughs> Jimmy Scott uh, was there before us and he didn't go through the, through the youth scheme. scheme. Uh, Jimmy was was picked up early early on uh, in in his uh, career and he was at Dunfermline before we were there. But, uh, I mean, we had the old drying room and basically we, we, we got a strip, a training strip that lasted for a whole week and it had to be dried in between. I mean, if you tell this to the, the guys... Modern now, day football, it would never happen, yeah, would it? By Friday... The shorts and the strips were crispy. I, I swear, <laughs> they, I mean, they were. You, you had to sort of crack them because they'd been in this warm, uh, heated room, uh, you know, uh, to, to dry off. But we, from time to time, Andy Stevenson used to say, right, you've got to go and clean boots. And we'd go, I'm a footballer, I'm not going to go clean boots. But I, I think we did. Uh, Kenny Thompson and I used to moan like hell. We we Scotty uh, Scotty was was more used to that. So we, yeah, but we did yeah yeah. That's we, part we, of being a footballer yeah, back we, then. Yeah, we we cleaned uh, we cleaned boots as well uh, on about a Thursday, I think that was. And, and what's your first memories of training with the first team? Because you'd be training with the likes of Bert Payton, Pat Gardner. Yeah, like all these first team John Lund superstars back then. Willie Callaghan. Brilliant. Paddy Gardner, uh, you, you mentioned him, the funniest man in the entire world. And he, you, I remember one morning we, we, we went out to, uh, at, when we were training at Petrivi, and he came up to me and he says, just, it was a cold, frosty morning. There, there was a sort of a heavy dew on the ground, but it was bright sunshine. He said, go and just, just pinch me, pin, pinch my arm. He says, look, I just wanted to make sure that this was real, you know, <laughs> and we get paid for it. <laughs> Amazing. And it, 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 was, it was like that. But going, going out playing with the amount of people that were in the team that had just won the cup, I, I, I can't explain it. Again, it's one of those surreal moments, but at that time for you, just that's just your life. You do, you're not standing there thinking, wow, I can't believe this. You're just it getting is, on with it. it. It was, and you didn't even, you didn't even realise the progression that it was because going, going from... Uh, playing youth football, uh, I, I mean, yes, we played loads of uh, reserve games uh, uh, for Dunfermline, but stepping into the first team, and, you know, right at the beginning, we were into going, uh, playing at uh, Parkhead, uh, uh, Ibrox, you know, and we, we always had a pre-season friend, we, we had an arranged an arrangement with, with Hearts, and we always played a, a pre-season friendly uh, with them uh, over at Tynecastle. And I, I can remember all of these things. I can remember the crowd giving us a stick if you, uh, you know, dared to tackle someone sort of heavily, etc. Yeah. But playing, playing with the guys and, and thinking, the guys in the dressing room are, are now out being professional and you know some would get angry some wouldn't yeah. uh, but I, I have to say all of them were, were uh, encouraging to, to the young boys yeah because I think the way they looked at it Christ we've got we've, we've got uh, 17 year, 18 year olds playing with us we better, we better help them along a wee bit and by this point you know, the club like the financial situation was declining and 
you guys were given an opportunity, weren't you? The club had no choice, really. A lot of the 60s guys were ageing, they're moving on, and then you guys, obviously. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. They didn't have anyone else to play. They, <laughs> they asked everyone in Dunfermline High Street, could you play? But no, they got asked instead. No, but, no, but it, the club obviously showed great confidence in, in youths at that point, because a lot of you guys were coming through and playing regular. Yes, but I mean, at one time, five of these boys, Gordon Pate, uh, Pat Patterson, myself, Scotty, Kenny Thompson, uh, leashed, uh, although he was younger, he he came on and, and got into the, uh, the, the uh, team as well. And they weren't playing and we weren't getting beat, mm-hmm. that, which was a good thing, but it, it was all... A cost the, the financial situation, and they had to sell. Alec Edwards went uh, went to Hibs. Yeah, and anyone that had a a, a hefty contract uh, financially um, mm-hmm. had to be uh, put out of the ground. Oh uh, well, it had to be sold. Yeah, yeah, uh, sold an well. asset. Yeah, and what the guy that signed you, George Farm? What what was George Farm like? You hear numerous stories he's a bit of Marmite character some guys really liked him other guys didn't so what was your opinion on him? Yeah well well to me he, he was the manager of Dunfermline and he managed all the, so he, he was not, maybe maybe not quite godlike but certainly uh, aloof like mm-hmm. I remember he, he had a a Rover 2000 and I thought God how do you afford to have that it's great being a, a manager but no, I mean, it, it was funny. You saw George Farm, the manager, and at that time, managers yeah, were treated with great respect, especially for, for the 17, 18-year-olds. Um, but uh, the rest of the team treated him differently and maybe maybe uh, not with so much respect, let's say. Could you feel that in the dressing room as well? Was there always that kind of awkwardness? And- well, it, it was... I think it was more arguments about what the bonus is going to be this week and they're not giving us all that much, uh, etc. But once again, we were young boys, so we weren't really yeah. part of that. I, the, the manager had left a message that after we were training at, at East End, so it must, must have been late in the week, we, we, we just did uh, running around the track on a Friday or something, and there was a message saying for me to go and see the, the manager. Um, so I went up. And I knocked on the door, and then I opened the door and went in. And there was there was no one there, so I went back to the dressing room, uh, and they said, "What what was he saying to you then?" And I said, "Well, he he wasn't there." And uh, I think it was Willie Callaghan said, "Did you look behind the door uh, when when you went in?" I said, "No." He says, "No, he, he normally hides behind that if he, if he thinks Roy Barry is coming." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and, and, I, I, I think he feared uh, Roy. Yeah, rightly uh, so. Just a bit. But, I, I mean, all of all of these things were just done. It's another part of your life. Right? It's the same for everyone in the world. You know, if someone that gets promoted at work, mm. you just go in the next day and you're promoted and you do, you know, that job. Yeah. Do you remember when George left the club? I think Alex Wright then comes in for a little period. Yeah. What was that kind of time like, that transition? Well, it, it was quite good because uh, Alec Wright was was into a... Well, he was taking over a, a, a whole load of youths, but uh, the people that he brought in were, were younger uh, as, as well. Peter Miller uh, uh, came in at that time as well. 
with a few. Uh, yes, Peter Miller was Peter Miller. <laughs> um, but there, there was, there wasn't a, really for me. There was, there wasn't a, a great transition between George Farm. It was just a case of getting on with it. I mean, we weren't doing too well in in the league, so he was basically on survival tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. John John Cushley came. I can't remember exactly if that was when uh, Mr. Wright took over, but you know that that made a big difference to the club. I can't remember what date it was when we played West Ham. So West the West Ham game was 9th of August seventy one. Seventy one. You, you obviously you make your debut in the, that that friendly. So yeah, let's chat a wee bit about that. That's what's, true. What's, what's your memories of that day? Well. It's not great, but it it was once again something that we had done uh, often. Uh, the the team went to the city uh, hotel for for food before we went to any match, and uh, once again Kenny Thompson and I were invited to to go and just be with the first team, etc. And it was a preseason friendly, so it wasn't really something that you you that was a big deal. Um, and anyway, John John Lund became ill. I, I think after he'd had uh, some food, and uh, the manager came and said to me, uh, "You're going to have to. <laughs> you're going to have to play." <laughs> <laughs> so, but I never thought. I thought, "Oh Christ, I've I've had a full meal." Yeah. And he said, "That doesn't matter. You you still have to. You still have to play." Change days with the old dietary requirements now and oh, sports science. And- it, it's completely different and. Uh, just jumping forward, but the, the the first person to to broach upon that subject at Dunfermline was was uh, Hugh White, believe it or not. That that's another story. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then you're playing. Who's in the West Ham team that day? Oh goodness. We've got the team lines here. Yeah. We can rattle off some proper legends. Uh, Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp, uh, Frank Lampard, Lampard. Yeah. Uh, I, but, I mean, for me, the, the one Bobby Moore was was playing. Yeah. Uh, I remember he he wasn't he wasn't on the team list, but big Clive Best played. I can't remember if he came on a substitute or not. I think he came off the bench. But Jeff Hurst was he he was uh, playing. Eh? Jeff Hurst and yeah. Uh, who's the other commentator? Uh, Martin that, Peters as well was there. Yeah. Another World Cup I, winner. I mean, it was all the people that. Uh, I'd seen uh, winning the, the, the World Cup. I mean, it was just beyond belief. And the thing is about that particular game, I was playing up against a guy, and I cannot remember his name, but he was the fastest person that I'd ever played against. And there were a few fast ones uh, in the Scottish League at that time. Uh, but he was the fastest person that I'd ever seen. And... I remember he he crossed the ball and I, I went to header it and my hand came up at the same time. After twenty minutes, I gave away a penalty <laughs> against uh, against West Ham, uh, and they did score it as, as well. Yeah, the game finished three one to West Ham. Yeah, um, and Andy Gardner scored a, a brilliant goal from uh, from well out. I do remember that. Brilliant, superb. And then the following week, you made your debut in the league. Do you remember who that was against? Yeah, well, John was. Uh, still ill at this time. Mm, no, I can't remember. It was away to Airdrie. Oh, Your God. first game. Listen, that that was a big time going going to Airdrie. Narrow narrow park, a uh, narrow pitch, and but oh goodness, 
I can't remember all of the names, but uh, who, who helped me? Whiteford. For Airdrie? Uh, yeah, oh. for, for it. They had... Drew Busby, maybe? Have you been at Airdrie then? Oh, I can't remember. It's a bit before my time. It's in there. I, I can't remember them all, but they were a strong team. Uh, they were a strong team then. And I, Mikey, I can't remember one anything, but I can remember the narrow pitch, but we played there a good few times. Yeah. So I, I, I can't remember that as a debut. But I can't remember registering it's a debut. Yeah, aye, of course. It, it's it, just was, it was just game. something in course. I didn't really feel that. I was in the team. It was always because John was ill, and and I, I mean, I respected him and I watched him so many times uh, yeah. uh, before. So it was just a case of getting on and doing it. Yeah, it, it, it was part of life at that time. And at round about that time, the club struggled with relegation. You guys are all chucked in at the first team. A lot of young boys. Yeah, and a former player comes in as manager, George Miller, mm-hmm. in February '72. So what was your memories of, of George? Any funny stories? Oh, uh, yeah, very funny. He, he was always he was always smoking. Before every sentence, he went, "The Christ." <laughs> he, <laughs> it, it was it was it was, uh, it, it was just part part of him. But the only really funny thing uh, I remember was he was driving me. I th- I think we were going to Petrivi, and he was driving down the, the road is gone now, but through the public park. Past where the, the putting greens, etc. Yeah. And he was lighting a cigarette. He had, uh, what was it called? He, he had, a, it was a really big Austin car. And it was, it was one of these ones that, that was mustard coloured on the outside. And the upholstery was mustard coloured as, uh, as well. It was a horrible uh, car. But anyway, he was going down and he, he was talking to me. And I can't remember what he was talking about. But he, he lit a cigarette and uh, he, 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 with a match, and he was putting into um, a, a, an ashtray that, that, that was on, on the front dash of the car, and he set fire to, to the plastic. <laughs> so he was driving down through the park, and he was trying to, to, he was trying to knock it out with his hand, <laughs> uh, knock the flames out with his hand. But that, that's, that's about the only uh, thing. He did... Uh, the, the he likes a bet, did he not? He was big on his horses. Oh, yeah. Aye. yeah. Uh, but that's something that we... That you, you did ask me. That's something that we did see in the dressing room a lot um, when, it, when, we've, when I first got into the, the, the first team. But I didn't really know George Miller and betting wasn't something that I was in the slightest bit interested in uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. But he, he, I, I was on a holiday one year and... Uh, my sister was living in Jersey at the time, and I I, th- I thought right, I'll go to Jersey. So uh, I I was over on holiday there, and George, George called me up. He said, "Bonner, do you want to go on tour to uh, to to Spain?" And I thought, "Yeah, beauty, I'll have a bit <laughs> of that." So I had to cut my my holiday short when we came back, and we went and did a pre-season tour of uh, Spain. But we had to play as uh, it'll come to me. It was it was a London team uh, because they were the ones that had pulled out at the last minute and they found Dunfermline right. to to substitute us. But we had to play all the games that I come back. Around about that time, there was a famous uh, one at Ibrox, which um, our friend Jim Weishman always talks about. Yeah, did you ha- play? Did you play y- in that? You tell me what happened. <laughs> uh, yes. We, 
there were a few evening games uh, there. Uh, I played in the game. Kenny Thompson scored uh, a goal, which is you know for for backs it was un- unheard of, and I can't remember for that particular game I was playing or I was I was on the bench. Uh, I, I really can't remember, but I have to say I can't remember a goal being scored by Big uh, Leash. I think Kenny Mackey maybe got a couple as well that day. Yeah, he he, he was playing, but yeah. it, it was an incredible uh, experience here because it meant nothing to to Rangers, and I think they they were all just uh, pretty uh, relaxed about it. But we were fighting for our lives at this point, weren't we? We were fighting yeah, relegation. Yeah, we, we actually need, needed the points badly. And to win it, uh, Ibrox mm. was uh, just incredible. And at, at least Leash keeps us from remembering that exactly. day. Exactly. It's a pity there's no footage of it. But uh, the, the only downside of that season was the strips we had. You showed me a team photo earlier. Oh, They're all white. That, that's, what, that's what caused relegation. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was uh, Alec Wright that... That chose that, right? It was awful, and it was based on Leeds. You think at the time because Leeds were a fashionable team. Yeah, there were quite a few teams in in England, mm-hmm. and yeah, the the Leeds they, they were white then. And yeah, I'm, all I'm white, sure they yeah. were. Uh, but it's that stupid badge. They got rid of the triangular badge. Yeah, um, and it had that sort of um, embroidered uh, DAFC. On. Yeah, it was it was awful. It was only one season, though, thankfully. So, pinstripes returned. uh, I think it was so unpopular. Yeah, and then by 1973, uh, you leave the club after 33 appearances. What was the reason for for leaving? Is it 33 appearances? Yeah. No, basically, I I was going to get sacked at the end of the the end of the year. Uh, George Miller, uh, you know, when a new manager comes, luckily. uh, we were kept on when when Alec Wright took over from George Farm, but uh, George Miller came and I, you know, I wasn't going to be his first choice, so I, I can't remember uh, if I left or, uh, I, but I would have got freed at the end of the season anyway. Right, and then you have short stints at Montrose for a season. You play twenty two yeah. games there. And then a season at Stirling Albion, you play 21 games. Yeah. And then round about that time, you quit playing football and you start playing rugby for Colmarnock. I did. So my, my, friends, my friends from school who were, at that time, a, a few of them were playing uh, for the Scotland B team at rugby. Uh, and Hugh McHardy, who was my best man uh, when I got married, uh, he persuaded me because in the summertime I used to go and play sevens uh, for Kilmarnock uh, and we went to all the, the, the big tournament I mean all, uh, all the teams used to come up from uh, uh, down south Cardiff uh, we, I, I played against all the top Welsh players at, at the time I, I, I'm hopeless from names but I can't remember all of their names but all the ones that were you know, we saw on television every week, uh, sort of thing. They came up and and, and played in the, the sevens. Most most of the the big tournaments were in the borders, uh, so I used to go and do that. And then I got fit. I was playing for Ster- Sterling Albion, and there was a change of manager halfway through the season there, and I actually scored scored a goal, uh, and I couldn't even celebrate it. I was just so fed up with playing uh, playing yeah. football. 
And by that time, going and playing for Sterling Albion, I was a bit fed up with, with, mm. with all of that. So, yeah, I went and played rugby for about two and a half seasons, I think. Yeah, and round about... Oh, no, 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 it was less than that. Round about that time, you, your life's busy, you're starting to venture into business, you go yep. to university, so tell us a little bit about all that stuff. Well, I I decided when when uh, I left Dunfermline that I better edu- educate myself. Uh, and I, I was quite lucky I, I was able to, to get in. I got into Edinburgh University, that was my first choice. So I got into Edinburgh and just basically I, I started off uh, doing a, a computing degree, but given that I didn't know anything about computers, I mean, we, Mikey, you you like this. We were working on a one zero writing. You know, I, I used that every program is well, it still is still a one or a zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and Edinburgh University had their own. They, they had their own language as well. Right. And I I just didn't. It was awful. I didn't enjoy it. Um. So I I swapped my course on to uh, doing. Economics, business studies, uh, uh, which, which I've, I quite enjoyed. Yeah, and round about uh, that time as well, a lot of people probably don't know this, but you opened Dunfermline's first unisex hair salon. That is that is true. And that was going to be open with Barry Mitchell uh, was going to do it, but he got transferred to Aberdeen, so he said, ah, Bonner, I'll not do it now. <laughs> but we made Let's all the contacts, so I thought... Um, yeah, I'll do that. And I had enough, uh, enough money that I, I could uh, go and do it myself. And it was unbelievably popular. Uh, I, uh, goodness, I can't remember his first name. A guy called Smith. He worked with Greens, but uh, he, gave that, he, he stopped doing hairdressing and became the main DJ in the Belleville at right. <laughs> Berlin, where I got to know him. Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, I want to get back into hairdressing. So he came and worked for me, and you've no idea how busy we were. It was in Bruce Street, wasn't it? It was in Bruce Street, yeah. Oh, it's, it's still there. The, the shop is still there as a hairdresser. So what, is that at the top beside the traffic lights? Was Just, it, it, was, it was owned by, I, I can't remember the woman's name, but it was owned by the lady who, who owned the, the, the Bruce. Right, okay. And she let, she let it out to me. But it, it was up, it was above the uh, above the Bruce. Ah, okay, right. I got you. I know we are. We are Flow Digital Pharmacy, and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication, and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at weareflow, spelled P-H-L-O, that's weareflow.com. And round about that time as well, you obviously go to university and... Then you start linking in with RAF, the Air Squadron you told me about. So tell us a little bit about what happened there. Well, I'm from Fife. If you get anything for free, Mikey, <laughs> free flying lessons, come on. <laughs> you can't miss that out. So, yeah, I, uh, I joined. Uh, the, 
when when you go to university, your your freshers week, you, you get introduced to all the clubs, yeah, everything in that week. I saw this uh, advertisement for the university air squad, and they said you you get free flying lessons. I thought, yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me. So I I did. You know, I I can remember going. Uh, Rob Bell was uh, the instructor that uh, sent me off uh, on on my first solo flight, and he he was father of you know the bells that, that were downhill skiers. No, they, I don't they, know them. They they did the Olympics and everything. They commentate on on television now, uh, but Rob and once again, it, it's just it's just like I can compare it to to football and going playing against Bobby Moore, etc. We went up. We did did a normal flight. We landed. Uh, we we came back into where, where we normally stop. And he, he, my instructor got out of the airplane. He said, "Right, go and do it yourself now." Then, and you go, uh, and nothing prepared you for it. But you go up, and so many people have said it. You make the best landing of your life because you're you're totally concentrated. Yeah, of course. Uh, on on Pure adrenaline, it must be as well. The adrenaline was. Incredible, because you basically you go up and do one circuit. Now a circuit is you go up to a thousand feet, you follow whatever they tell you. There's various turning points on it, and you come in and land. And uh, we always have used to have to land on the keys. That's the black and white bits. And uh, yeah, your first one is perfect. Now a lot of the other guys they said, you know, have have said that as well. But the the thing about the um, the University Air Squadron was, I, used, I, I set up all of my lectures and most of my tutorials in three days a week. So I used to spend two days a week um, going out, uh, flying with the Air Force. But I was running my, my hairdressers and I was, I, were, I was training at uh, Stirling Albion at that, uh, that time, or I might be playing for Montrose but mm. that was a busy time Mikey no not half not half that was, that, that was a busy time but once again I never thought the, the, no. you just don't think about you're it you're just young and you have the time and yeah. the energy to, to you're committed to doing something so you do it yeah uh, uh, which uh, yeah that, that was good but in in the Air Force my, my boss uh, at, at the Air Force sort of talked me into signing up uh, well, to join the the Air Force, uh, and I did it. I, I mean, it was a one week long interview down at Cranwell, uh, down at Cranwell, and uh, it, it was that was a great experience as well because every day you had to go to a meeting at the end of the day, and they said, "Nah, you're out, <laughs> you're so out." Were you tempted right. at that point to to maybe join the area? No, I did join the area. You probably it cost joined. me a fortune getting out, by the way. <laughs> Uh, no, I did. I, I was an, on, an orifice. Didn't I? Right. No, we, we, when you're at university, you're, um, you're you are an officer and you get treated like one, but you're not really, uh, sort of thing. But uh, no, I, I after uh, university, I went and I, I started my course at uh, at Cranwell, and I thought, Christ, this is going to cost me a fortune to get out. Uh, Mm. Of this, and I thought better do it sooner rather than later. And then, yeah, that that's when Harry Mill was 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 manager. Yeah, so nineteen seventy seven, you rejoined on Fairman. So how did that all yeah. come about? Well, 
I was playing rugby for Kilmarnock, but because I knew everyone at Dunfermline, I was training at Dunfermline uh, to save me going through to, to Kilmarnock, you know, every night because uh, I, I, I used to go through a, a lot uh, and it was okay in summer, but in winter it, was, it, it wasn't so great. So I'd been training there and uh, I, I think uh, Harry didn't have a left back at that time. Although I've, I've never been left footed. The only reason I ever played at left back was uh, I, I played it for the Scottish youth team at left back because the coach there said, look, that guy can't kick with his left, the, the, the right back can't kick with his left foot. So will you play it left? Because we're both right footed um, uh, full backs. He said, will you play? And ever since then, I was looked upon as being a, a left back. But it's never easy. Kicking on your left foot is one thing uh, all the time, but tackling f uh, on your left foot is not the easiest thing in the world yeah. uh, uh, to do. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's uh, how it came to uh, sort of play at left back. Brilliant. And then Harry Melrose, you mentioned him earlier, he brings you back to Dunfermline. So, what was Harry like as a manager? Uh, Harry was, was brilliant. We used to send Big Sultan in uh, to, to do any negotiations if we were playing any of the big teams for, for a bonus. But every time Big Sultan would come back and say, Nah, he said no, <laughs> and that that was Harry. He just he just said no, but he, he was uh, sort of straightforward, uh, etc. But he was a nice guy, and what he did respect was we we had uh, Bobby Robertson, Hugh White were medics. Uh, oh, I've forgotten his the name. The club were part time at this point as well, weren't they? Yeah, we, they, they were part time, but Harry was sympathetic to, towards. Uh, the fact, you know, if you needed a night off, if there's an exam the next day, uh, not not so much for me, but for for uh, uh, Bobby Robertson and and Whitey, uh, he, he was sympathetic towards the cause. Yeah. Who we, else? We, we had a dentist. Um, what, what's the winger's name? I cannot remember. Watson. You hate it, yeah. Kenny uh, Watson. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Kenny Watson. Uh, Who else was at the at the club at this point? So a lot of the guys then for the Halcyon days were were long gone. A guy they? from Dunfermline, Cuthbertson. Can can you remember that? I don't know that name. He was a banker. Uh, Mike Leonard. Aye, this the striker. Yeah, McNaughton as well up front, wasn't he? I wrote McNaughton. Correct. That that's right. And uh, we, as you know, we we had a. We had a what fifty year reunion, yeah, and they all came. It yeah. was brilliant. Uh, they, but it, and uh, all all football players say this: you can you cannot see someone for for twenty years, and you get back into a conversation with them after twenty years, and it's just like uh, you're yeah. speaking to them yesterday. So uh, yeah, amazing. But uh, they, these were uh, all them. I mean, there are lots of others. So. Uh, I, I forget. I mean, we Russell Dunlop. Uh, he was playing. Jim Bowie. Bobby Robertson was coming coming into the team because unfortunately he's lots of years younger than me. <laughs> 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 but I mean, Bob went on to have uh, yeah. well, just with the most uh, successful career. But yeah, uh, Ziggler, um, Donnelly. Yeah. Uh, John Donnelly. Uh, no, Paul, Paul Donnelly. Paul, Paul yeah. Donnelly. Uh, 
oh yeah, I mean we we great team, yeah. And uh, there was a guy called Hall uh, that came in. He was a forward, but there were a couple of forwards came and went uh, round round about that uh, time. The, the second yeah. time I was at uh, Dunfermline. Yeah. Uh, there's a game I want to ask what your memories are. May '79, a 1-1 draw with Falkirk yeah. for promotion. What's your memories of that day? I remember Sultan having to go off after, I think it was about 17 or 20 minutes. Bobby Robertson had to move into the centre, and not long after, I can't remember if we lost the goal before John went off or, or after. Yeah, we went, we went 1 0 down, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and it was a stupid goal that we lost to. So, I mean, we were completely and utterly uh, up against it. And I can remember my vantage point at, at left back was him, um, a Scotty, Jim Scott, uh, hit a ball from outside the box. Um, I don't know where the, the, goal, the Falkirk goalkeeper was at the time, but the, there was the, the fullback or the centre half was uh, on the line and he jumped up. And he made it look as though he was headering it over the. He just tipped it over the bar, but uh, we, we, everybody screamed out, you know, it was handball, and it was. Yeah. Uh, and we were given it, and uh, then we watched Major go up. I swear, all of us turned away uh, when he was taking that. It was that, quite late in the game kick. as well, wasn't it? I think it was like the 79th minute. He yeah. The penalty. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was. It, Probably just more than halfway through the second half, but mm -hmm. you know by that time doubts are creeping in uh, as to you know will anyone uh, will anyone score, and I mean Falkirk had quite a good uh, forward line at that time uh, as 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 well. So uh, and I, I Bobby Robertson played played great moving into uh, uh, centre half uh, etc. But yeah. I, we just listened uh, to see what the crowd uh, uh, were like when when uh, Major took the uh, took the penalty. Mm -hmm. And what was the feeling like at full time, winning promotion? Yeah, I can remember. There were people coming out. It was at the time when when the, there were steps down to the park, uh, and we came out of the middle of the the, the stand. Uh, I can remember people running over. And I can remember I ran over to the to to the dressing room as well, but we I think we stayed out on the park for ages. I I really don't have a clear memory mm -hmm. of of what went on, but th there was a great deal of celebration though. Yeah, a few a few glasses of champagne, I'm sure. Yeah, correct. <laughs> a couple of years later, there's another game that I wanted to ask you about. October eighty one, uh -huh. Hibernian at East End, and there's a famous Irishman playing for Hibs. That's right. What's your memories of that, Mister George Best? We, the the only memory uh, for me is George Best got the ball round about where the team came out, uh, sort of on the halfway line, but right out on the touchline, and he did look over this way. I I was marking the uh, the winger, but I was I was miles away from uh, the winger because there was there was no chance, and he just pinged this ball which was only about two feet off the ground, straight to the winger. Yeah, it was just absolutely, just, just brilliant. And he was probably drunk at that time, because and he really did turn up drunk for for uh, a lot of the Hibernian mm. games. And he used I mean, to fly up from London, didn't he? He didn't stay up here, he just flew no, up for he, the games and then away. Uh, Peter Cormack, I, 
I became uh, friends with Peter, who unfortunately he he's not well, let's say. Mm-hmm. But uh, he used to look after Bestie, uh, and sometimes he took him to his, to his house. I he lived, I lived in a new house in in Edinburgh at that time, um, and uh, he he used to. Well, he didn't make him, but made arrangements for him to to uh, stay at Peter Cormack's uh, uh, house at that at that time because he that was him on his way back from being famous as, uh, as yeah. well. Probably. But he, he stayed with I I don't think Peter Cormack was playing in the team at that time. Right. But he he was he was up there and had uh, had a house uh, in in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. He's told I I. I can't remember all, but he's told stories about Bestie. Uh, you know, when we were playing <laughs> golf, uh, and uh, and he really was drunk when he was on the park. Ah, if and he, he, you know, he didn't come in till if he was staying in Edinburgh. Sometimes wouldn't come in till Christ knows what time in the morning. Yeah, can imagine. Um, and then round about that time, uh, Andy Rowland comes in as caretaker. Harry's away. Yeah, and then there's a bit of. A, a couple of years, uh, Pat Stanton, Tom Forsyth in the early 80s. What's your memories of that, that kind of time? There's loads of transition. Well, it, it didn't seem like a huge transition. Andy Rowland, the major, uh, he, uh, no, he wasn't, uh, he became captain uh, mm-hmm. on, on the field. But it was quite natural for him to take over. He was at the end of his career. Uh, and... I don't know. It's just just a natural uh, step for the, for that to happen, but he he was always uh, operating under the cloud. You know, uh, Harry might have uh, come. I mean, Harry was ill. Uh, he he might have come come back. So I don't think he ever felt secure in in, in what he was doing. Uh, but I I think w- once Harry was sacked, um, he 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 sort of took over. But Dunfermline must they were, were still looking for uh, another uh, manager. Yeah, and uh, then Pat Stanton comes in. Then after that, Pat Stanton came and uh, I think he, he tried to make the place a lot more professional, but he certainly wanted... It, it, it wasn't so much Pat Stanton, it was... Uh, what was the guy? Stuart, that, that was his... Yeah. Uh, yeah. George heard, Stewart. Yeah, I've heard the name, yeah. Yeah, um, he, uh, I, he, he used to travel back down the train when when I came from Montrose. He used to get on at Dun, Dundee, and I used to watch him every week, just lose money playing uh, <laughs> playing cards. And I thought, what a dumpling you are! And he used to every 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 train journey, uh, if if uh, that that I saw him on, he used to lose money. <laughs> Worst cards player in the, the entire world, but. No, they came and they changed things up. They split the team uh, into first team and second team squads, and you know we trained differently, and uh, we we knew it was was uh, uh, time to uh, sort of get out. They, I, they, I think he he didn't have anyone else. He had to play me one day uh, when when uh, there there were a lot of injuries. <laughs> Uh, I managed to get myself sent off for yeah, <laughs> handling handling a well a ball hit my hit my hand and I'd been booked earlier so uh, I had to get sent off. Yeah, so that just about ended uh, my time at, uh, at East End. Yeah. So by then I think it was February eighty two. Your last game was against Hamilton, mm-hmm. and this this spell you made one hundred and thirty eight appearances. 
So what was the reason for for you leaving in at the end of that season? Just simple, the manager, new manager. He, he, he must have thought I was useless uh, because uh, I, the, the the thing about Pat Stanton was uh, I, I'd, uh, I I was running a travel agency. Uh, I had travel agencies in Edinburgh and Aberdeen, and uh, I I was unbelievably busy doing that. The early eighties, uh, I. I just started 1982. We, we we opened, and it was it was just a really busy time, and he he phoned me up um, uh, like about Tuesday morning. Uh, I, I know it was it was a, it was a midweek game. It was Wednesday. He said, "Do you want to play for the reserves tonight?" And of course, I said, "Ah, oh, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do uh, is play for the reserves." <laughs> but it, it was a horrible night. It was raining, and it was in Paisley. Right. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, boss. Uh, I I want to be there." So you know, I went. I had to leave work. Well, I didn't do what I normally do at work, but I had to, to to leave late late afternoon. We we got to the game, and they read out the team, and that was at the time where they had. Two substitutes, so there was a twelve and a, th- a thirteen, and I was fourteenth man, and I thought, "Come on, are you joking?" And I did have words with him after that. What did you do that for? Yeah, you know, what? Why did you send me? You know, I was going to be fourteenth man. I, I mean, I said I, I don't understand that, and I, I think uh, we knew who. I mean, th- that didn't make any difference to to uh, what was going to happen to me. Because they they were having a clean out. Even you know, he, he got rid of Kenny Thompson. Kenny Thompson still had years. Uh, yeah, he went to Saint Johnson, didn't he? And done. Brilliant. I think he just. He, I mean, the the good thing about Pakistan, he brought Nori. Yeah. Uh, who who uh, just went on to have uh, success after success, but he he obviously made a decision right, getting rid of the old guard and guys that, because. He would have seen it. We, I mean, we we played against uh, Kenny, and I probably played against him the first time uh, we we played um, I, uh, for Hibs, and uh, yeah, he he had just made up his mind that he was going to make big big changes, yeah. and I I don't know what the, the the team the team was okay. I, he was just a terrible manager. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, no one respected him in the dressing room. It was a difficult and, period for the club, wasn't it? It just didn't seem to be clicking at all. It was like he was a panic buy uh, by by the board, and it was a, a name that, that came in. But I swear, we we used to sit around the dressing room and we would we would have little wagers on what his first words would be, and they were always the first words. <laughs> See this team here, and he pointed his thumb towards the, the opposing dressing room, and we were going either much better than us. <laughs> uh, but he didn't. He didn't have the same uh, re- respect as uh, as other managers uh, that I had experienced before. Because I, I played under five managers. Yeah. Uh, at, at Dunfermline, which, which might be one of the only records that I ever hold at <laughs> Dunfermline, but uh, no, it, it was it was a change of great transition. But just come back to you, just get on with it. Yeah, it's it's what happens in uh, in football, and if you fall out of favour with one guy, we all know now, uh, possibly in retrospect, um, you best get out. 
Yeah, and, and plus and, you're saying you're, you're, you were so busy out with football with your business season. Well, I was. Yeah. I, I got an offer. Uh, I got an offer from Caden Beath. Uh, the manager came along to see me and he said, do you want to come and play for us? And I thought, Central Park, wet, Tuesday evening training. I said, no, I'm going to retire. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good decision. <laughs> you mentioned the fi- five managers there. Who was the best? Oh, for, for us, definitely Harry. Yeah. But I, I like Wright came in and he had this youth policy. Uh, you know, they never, they never ever coached us separately. You know, if, we must have had bad games when we, you know, when we were playing. They never ever took you aside and 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 went through it, uh, saying, "Well, maybe you could have done that better." There was nothing. Kenny Thompson and I, and Scotty, Jim Scott would have come as well, but he used to get a lift from Bert Payton back to Kirkcaldy, uh, so he was away. So. Every day we used to go to the, the, the Regal uh, for, for lunch and then everyone went home after that. Uh, so Kenny Thompson and I used to go back along to the park and say, right, what can we do? What, what training we can do? And I, I mean, it was, it was shocking. Andy Stevenson would say, um, I'm going to take a ball out and kick a ball about. So we yeah. went out and kicked a ball and the, line, uh, the, the groundsman came and said, get off the park. And we ended up kicking a ball about behind the goals. Yeah, on the track. <laughs> on, on the ash track, yeah. yeah. That, that was the only place we could go. But, you know, we, we were uh, the, uh, member, members of the team. We weren't drinking, we weren't gambling, we were super fit, and we were absolutely eager to become better, and there was just nothing. Yeah. There was no coaching. You didn't... I mean... The, you realise that in retrospect, but um, you know you didn't realise it while, while it was happening. But to go along in the afternoon, we were bored. Uh, you know, I I, I was uh, I was seventeen. Kenny was eighteen, and we didn't have anything else to do, and so we, we you know we wanted to go and do that. But it's not like nowadays with the players have all got programmes and they could be in the gym and they can go and do X, Y and Z, can't they, to improve? Yeah, and there was no such... Christ, there was no such thing as gym. They they had a token effort <laughs> at having a few barbells in, in the Dunfermline gym with the three uh, upright posts, in the, you know, which was all over the gym floor. Um, no, the... I, I, the, the Alec Wright must take some responsibility for that because they were supposed to be, you know, right, we're going after the youth. But they didn't look after us. They were from the West, so they were away home anyway. Yeah. Sort of mid-afternoons sort of thing. How do you think you would have fared playing today, coming through at 17 years old? When you watch the Pars now, do you think you would have done okay? Yeah. it's It's a completely different game. And... Yeah, you would play according to, to how you were coached, and there is so much more coaching now. I, I mean, e- even the computers that they wear, uh, yeah. going home and getting up on your mobile phone and someone saying to you, well, you didn't run very far, and you didn't make so many tackles, and you didn't make so many successful passes. Yeah. Um, so it really is a, a, a different form of life now, but I, I don't know. Who knows? Who we all knows? think we're better than the people on the, the, <laughs> the team, but it's great to watch it from uh, the stand now. Yeah. And it's a, a hell of a lot easier. Brilliant, mate. So reflecting back on your career, obviously your time at Dunfermline, yeah. 
What's your memories of playing at the old East End Park with the, the steps and the three doors, the terrace and... Well, that, these are the steps with, with all the memories. Um, the, I, I was like, the, the, the famous photograph of uh, Roy coming down with, with the cup uh, next to uh, uh, McNeil. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is a, an iconic uh, photograph. But at that time, because we were part of the, the, the youth team, that was before, probably before we had... Uh, April 68. Yeah, so uh, Kenny Thompson, all, all the young boys were allowed to go and stand on the steps, you know, by, behind the, the, the dugouts. So I, I, do re- I, I do remember uh, these parts, but, you know, there are various points um, uh, that, that you remember about all the, the, the big teams coming out before, before we had got into the team. But uh, memories of, all memories of Dunfermline are great. The, the only poor ones are going up uh, to, uh, what, what was the pub up above? The Paragon. Uh, going up to the Paragon when you're lost, that's, that was a nightmare doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but back then as well, the, the players always would go up to the Paragon. It's a different culture now, obviously, with drinking and, oh, and stuff. Yeah. But you yeah. guys would always go and socialise with the, the supporters, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of the guys used to go up and uh, uh, talk to people, etc. Well, we all did. But, you know, not, not for a, a, a long time, I, but they, they all, it was good that the fans were able to, to uh, speak to the people that had just lost on the park or won, uh, yeah. uh, whichever way. Yeah. Brilliant. But, yeah. What would you say was the biggest challenge in your career? Football wise? Yes, yeah, playing career, yeah. I, I think the, the biggest challenge is when. Uh, the manager uh, signs another player that's in, in your position. You don't concentrate in a way they think, right, I'm going to go and play better, but it, it does concentrate uh, the, the mind. And whether that pressure makes you play better or worse, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But they, these are the main pressures. Apart from that, there, there was no great... Uh, there wasn't uh, a great pressure. Uh, I, yeah, not at all. It was great being with... Uh, the old Dunfermline team and the, the second time when I played the, they were a real good everyone was pals yeah you but, could see that like you said with the reunion at the end yeah, of last season I, I, I mean they were and people were, were so pleased to come along to that yeah and made a, a, a big effort uh, uh, to do it but that was that was the best team and Harry has got to take some of the plaudits for that because he he made it possible f- uh, for that to happen yeah. and the, the ill feeling did creep in towards the end but that was just certain players that, that came in who will remain unmentioned yeah we'll keep their names off this uh, who was the best player you played with would you say uh, or against or, or against yeah with uh, or and against uh, yeah I mean George Best yeah and I couldn't tell you because I, I can't remember much of uh, the, the game against uh, West Ham, but Kenny Dalgleish, he used to just glide and and you know if it, it wasn't necessarily man marking, but if he came into your area where you're marking, he, he would just glide off you, and then all of a sudden you go, oh Christ, he's over there, yeah, and you, you'd have to get him. But I honestly, there were loads. 
Willie Henderson, the Rangers. Uh, it, it was just great to be playing against them. And uh, I, I think uh, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, yeah Jimmy Celtic, Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was mesmeric, <laughs> uh, some, uh, and he was jinky. Uh, Were you man marking him as well? I, I was uh, absolutely man marking him. <laughs> or I, trying. I, I tackled him on 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 the uh, on on the Celtic side across from the main stand, and I tackled him once uh, quite heavily. And boy, did what an amount of stick and stuff getting chucked out to the park and everything! Holy jings! But they were okay, and they were honestly quite res- respectful to being such a young player. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have to say that, uh, and especially uh, Willie Henderson. No egos back then, no, either. Eh? These guys were just normal guys just playing football for the love of it. It wasn't about money or they, they fame were, or... They were normal, normal guys that had made a few bob. Yeah. You know, to... to to put it sort of bluntly, they they had just sort of risen above their their their, their uh, status, and I don't think fame was the same then. I mean, of course, everyone in Glasgow would would know the the old firm uh, people because they all they always drank in the same pubs as well. Um, but no, there was no feeling of superstar stardom, and nowadays I mean, I mean look how many superstars there are yeah it's changed days eh well, they certainly earn, they earn more than 27 quid a week or ah. 17 pounds a week when I started some of them earn that a second I think oh, um, yeah. who was the best player you played with at Dunfermline um, KT definitely Kenny, mm. Kenny Thompson Bob uh, Big Sultan uh, you know the, the, uh, Jim Brown when when uh, he he was he was the youngest fullback and I was the youngest fullback in uh, well what was the old uh, uh, first division I can remember uh, we we had a really good uh, friendship you know not not just uh, not not just playing football but Bertie P was a great player but unfortunately by the time I was getting into the team he was having all I mean he he never played as well as he he did before that. Um, he broke his leg, didn't he? A bad he, he one. broke his he broke yeah. his leg. Yeah, and the uh, our, our training regime and his recovery, I had to lend him my bike to be able to go out and get some strength bike into his leg. That that is how ridiculous the situation was um, yeah. at at, uh, at Dunfermline. But uh, Bert, Bertie P, uh, Pat Gardner, he he, he was uh, really good. Supportive mm. of of the younger players, oh, but oh god, Some the ones names, I haven't yeah. mentioned. I, I'm I'm sorry. Who who would you say was the most underrated player that you seen in training and perhaps you thought they're yeah. talented? No, I have to think about that one. It was George. He he played when Alex Wright came. He, he played in inside left 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 midfield, and he he had. Uh, just incredible skill with his left foot. He was all one-footed. Yeah. Uh, but he was he was a guy that that uh, he, yeah he was a really good player, uh, and and probably 
in amongst all, all the other people that were in the team at that time, he, he never sort of got top billing, but he he, yeah, he was a good... I, I cannot remember his other name, that's terrible. It'll come back, it'll yep. come back. What was your favourite game you played in? So one game that stands out. Yeah. Um, against, uh, against West Ham, I, I have to say that that does stand out because I, I was in a, a, an absolute bubble then. But the, the only, the only real... I, re, I do remember the Rangers game uh, because there was nobody on the terracing. It meant nothing to Rangers. There was nobody on the terracing and it was blazing sunshine. Uh, so I do remember that. Um, but it has to be the Falkirk game, uh, yeah. which, which is the one you know, we got uh, promotion from. That that because there was such a build up uh, to it as well, so yeah. I uh, yeah I think so. There were there were quite a few. We drew Hibs in either the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, or what. But we seemed to play them, Christ knows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we played them a lot. And one oh one that does uh, stick out in my mind. We were playing them in. It was a replay cup tie, uh, and it was a Wednesday night at East End. And the pitch was frozen, and we didn't we didn't have a correct footwear from playing on a frozen pitch, and we went out and we practiced. A lot of us just had uh, our uh, flat sh- uh, shoes on. I I tried it with with uh, you know uh, short studs etc., mm-hmm. but it, it was impossible, and it was like a skating rink, and we got John. Go and tell the manager, how the hell can we go and uh, play on this? And Harry came out and said, shut up, you're getting on with it and it's on the television tonight. So <laughs> he, he basically said, just get on with it. And it was it was hard on the ground, snowing, etc. And I was playing against, is it uh, Alex Ray, a big yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he used to hate me. <laughs> I used to jump him. But... Uh, but uh, no, I do. I do remember that game uh, as, as well. And we were beaten, I think. I thought it doesn't ring uh, a bell. No, that one. No, but it, it was. Uh, I that was an awful game. Nice uh, one. What What was your proudest moment as a footballer? I I don't know. The, playing playing for the Scottish uh, youth team uh, was was great because. You got to wear the actual strip that the Scotland team uh, wore at that time. Uh, getting a cap for that, uh, yeah, that that is that's a proud moment. But that happened so early on uh, in in football. I I think a uh, sort of winning promotion the 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 second time that I was there. And it was just all part of it. Being being part of uh, the, the team and, and making good friends is is what you remember. And the uh, not by any means all of them, but a lot of them are st- are still good friends. Yeah, uh, I Brilliant, have mate. to say. You've mentioned throughout this some of the business ventures you got involved in. Uh, yeah. So after you retired from football, what what did the uh, life take? You? What direction did life take you? Well, Listen, Bobby Robertson has, uh, has asked me so many times, uh, what, do you, what have you actually done with your life, Barrett? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, a quick resume, I, I travel agencies, one, one in Edinburgh, one in Aberdeen. From that, uh, I, I bumped into some people who 
Well, basically, this guy had had married um, a, a Russian woman because he, he used to go over to to Russia. He was involved with the the British army, but and he used to go over to to Russia. I won't go into any details at all, but I got to know them uh, through. A, a printer who we mutually used, and to cut a very long story short, I went over to, to Russia and met a whole load of people, and it was just when Perestroika was happening in in Russia, uh, and I, it really was uh, old Russia, uh, a, a communist Russia. I, I, I went to one of their, their big uh, a, a shopping centres, and there were there was no finish on the floors. They were just sort of like concrete floors, and there were all these people going about an old-fashioned uh, dress, uh, a Russian dress. And you know you had to go out and speak to a woman, and you you got. Uh, I, I was buying some toys for 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 my children. I had to get a slip from her. I took it to someone in another corner of of the shop, and. Uh, I paid her some money and then she gave me another slip. Then I had to go to another place to go and pick up the item that I had bought. And it was just so labour intensive. But it was, it was old-fashioned Russia uh, at, at that time. That, that was just off uh, the, the, the square in Russia. There was a, um, a big shopping centre. It's still there, but it's, it's all been modernised and westernised uh, now. But um, I... I we brought hundreds of Russians over to to Britain. I put them into uh, uh, fee-paying schools, and we, although we put in quite a lot in England, we, I tried to bring them up to uh, Scotland because it was easier for me to manage them then. Um, and you know, th- things uh, just progressed. Uh, e- even now, we st- we still have some uh, Russians and. Uh, we, we still have some that are in university uh, right now, but uh, I'm, I'm still good friends with the very first Russian boy that I, I brought uh, brought over here. They went to Fetis. Right. Uh, before he was expelled, though. <laughs> we'll not talk about that. <laughs> Something yeah. else you're, you're really involved in is the former Players Association. Yep. So tell us a little bit about your role there and... and some of the, the well, activities that goes that, on with the former that, players. That was uh, at a time Chris Wisher uh, was well friends with uh, Bob Story, yeah, and they they approached myself, and I can't remember if Whitey was still playing at that time. No, he wasn't. No, I, yeah. no, 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 not that. What, what am I talking about? Yeah, um, they they came and said, look, we're looking at. Uh, starting up a, a former players a, association, and because I have really dropped out of touch with the football, just w- with the, being involved with with uh, my own business uh, ventures, I had lost touch with Dunfermline, and it was almost impossible, uh, you know, to, to come over and watch a game, etc. And you weren't made to feel welcome, etc. So we we started it up. I think it was two thousand. And eight, two thousand nine, it officially launched. It officially started. Yeah. And yeah, from from then on, we we struggled to find a, a purpose uh, for the former players. But what what we did, I think, about the first four years was we we just sponsored uh, the the youth setup that we had at that time, and we paid for their lunches, uh, um, and it was. 
just to try and help the young boys, we weren't earning uh, much at all. Um, but then we've we've progressed uh, and we've uh, with adding to our team, uh, my, Mr. Michael Milosevic, <laughs> we're we're now the grand company of uh, former <laughs> players association. But uh, you. Mikey is sitting here embarrassed, of course, but uh, he's made us a lot more professional. And uh, some of the events that are organised uh, now make, make a lot of money. And all of the money gets passed on to the football club. In football terms, it's not a lot, but we've paid over £17,000 uh, uh, over to the club for buying things various. Uh, from pants yeah. to towels to from food. underpants to training gear goals yep half socks yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've we've bought a lot of things but uh, we we did buy the analysis camera which is a, a, a large expense and uh, you know a training bikes and we'll continue to do that uh, yep uh, hopefully uh, we we just uh, all all uh, keep going and. One of the main things is we have a good relationship with, with uh, the, the club uh, and, well, A, we appreciate the, 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 the club for being like that, but uh, it just makes everything a, a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. And makes the club more approachable as well. Definitely, onwards and upwards. What's it like for you meeting players from different eras? I know you, you love going to the home matches and mixing with all the former players so what's it like meeting all these different guys yeah from different I mean Cammy Fraser he, he was he was an icon and he was one of the people my father was always uh, talking about but he, obviously he had gone by the time that I, I got involved but Cammy is, is an absolute gentleman uh, and has lived in various parts uh, of the world, uh, and he's just a good person to, to speak to. But uh, Jim Herriot, uh, we, we don't see them very often these days, but uh, uh, Jim Herriot uh, is, is another one of the, the, the old school ones. Yeah. But some of the people, Ed, Eddie Conaghan was, was over at one point as well. Now, he was just a name to me, but it was Eddie Conaghan because he played in the 61 Cup final. Yeah, he? indeed. And a hero. Yeah, yeah, and just to be able to speak. But when when you meet them in, in later life, they're, they're just ordinary, they're just another person. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's so good to speak to them and, and, and hear about some of their me memories as well. I, one of the things as a supporter for me, and I, I think other supporters will agree, it's great to see former players and around the stadium on a match day. Yeah. And that, that seems to be happening more and more, obviously, as we grow the members and get more guys coming along, the guest of honour. and It is, and th that that comes down to um, social media, uh, really, to, to, to get the word out to everyone. What, what I will say is Chris, uh, Chris Wishart, and you, you, your, yourself, Mikey, uh, produce a, a monthly magazine which uh, is the envy of many clubs one of one of uh, which is the Chelsea the football club but it's a great effort from from Chris uh, that he gets he gets that out um, every month you put the thing together uh, for them and there are contributions uh, from Jason uh, Jason Barber uh, does interviews etc so it it is a, a, a good effort. We, we, we do need more people to, to 
uh, contribute, and, uh, and but it, it has become a big part of the former players uh, association. But it all, also it gets the word out to, yeah. to people because we all know people from our own era. But getting in touch with and contacting and and getting people from different eras in is what what we're aiming at. Yeah, uh, Aye, now, try and try and grow it even further. Eh? It, to grow it, but to to get the ones that are well. Not quite more recent, but ones that uh, played in the 80s and the, and the early uh, 1000s. Yeah. Um, get them back and feel that they're just as welcome because uh, all of us are getting old, <laughs> the, the ones that started it up. Yeah, but, onwards and upwards, mate. Yeah. It's going the right direction. What? Um, obviously, you go to all the home games. What's your thoughts on the current team and, and the job James is doing at the moment? Once again, we are always uh, uh, supporters of, of the games. But they play good football just now. When they score goals, some of the goals are absolutely majestic. And a lot of them can be just all one touches. But they're all uh, moving well. I think we're more solid uh, in defence now. Um, and uh, you can only hope that they're all having a good day or the referee hasn't made a bad decision um, and yeah I, I mean I think the team that's there now they, they're all uh, sort of work quite hard we've, we've been hit um, with loads of injuries and they're long term ones as well I hadn't realised that, that there were so many yeah and key uh, players as well that would be uh, playing every week obviously top players so I think James must be applauded for for Keeping us right, right in it, uh, uh, with you know, you don't want to say that they're they're the poorer players, but they're they not necessarily first choice players. But they they have come in and and done really well. Done brilliant. Uh, made their yeah. contribution. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Just to finish up, mate, over two hundred appearances for for the Pars. Mm-hmm. So how how would you reflect back on playing for your hometown club? Uh, I would reflect back and say. Uh, I wish I'd been coached better. I don't know if I could give them give them a, a, any more effort, but uh, just the most enjoyable times of your of your life. Uh, I and I, I mean that completely. Uh, and uh, meet up with, with, with people that become friends for life as well. Brilliant, Bonner. Thanks for your time. It's uh, it's been great catching up as always and hearing all these stories. Yeah, and you, Mikey, enjoyed that. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest in this episode of Walking Down the Hobby Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokkevich and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former par in the next episode.